The Interrobank podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Interrobank podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. I could really use a day off. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a different kind of episode today, but first, here's a look at what's making news at Fanshawe this week. Fanshawe's gender-based and sexual violence prevention has teamed up with the Fanshawe Student Union once again in an effort to end period poverty on campus. They will be offering menstrual mail-outs, which are kits that include both disposable and reusable menstrual products like pads, tampons, and a Diva Cup. Leah Marshall, Fanshawe's sexual violence prevention advisor, says funds are tight for students, so these kits make it so they don't have to choose between menstrual hygiene or eating. Kits will be available twice a semester this school year. Keep an eye on the FSU's social media page to sign up. If you tuned into a recent episode of The Amazing Race Canada, where racers came to Fanshawe, you might be wondering how the school got involved in filming. Michelle Shipley, a highly regarded film professor at Fanshawe, produced the episode alongside a team of student production assistants. Shipley said she wanted to shine a light on the thriving production value of the Forest City. She came up with the ideas for the episode, including the aviation, animation, and dog showing portions. She thought the aviation and animation programs at Fanshawe were something that should be showcased to Canada. For more details on what went on behind the scenes, you can check out the article on our website. The high school project has returned to London's Grand Theatre. The show this year is Into the Woods, showcasing talents from high school students aged 14 to 18. Into the Woods tells the story of classic fairy tales, but with a modern twist. Director Sasha Dennis spoke highly of the students who are starring in the show and added that they are doing some great storytelling. To hear more from Dennis and from a couple of the students involved, check out our website. So it's officially September, which is probably my favorite month of the year. It's my birth month. We're getting back to school. Orientation week is kicking off and we're all just getting back to the grind. But before any of that, there's a day that we all collectively recognize, Labor Day. To a lot of people, this might not mean much. It's just another stat holiday that we all get to take off work. For students, it's like that last breath of summer vacation before we all have to get back to reality. Today, I wanna talk about where Labor Day actually came from. Where are its origins? And why is it so standard that 11 countries around the world still honor it today? to the roots of Labor Day, we have to go all the way back to the 1800s and the inauguration of unions across the U.S. and Canada. See, the Industrial Revolution, which called for a lot of work to produce a lot of products all the time, saw the need for workers and unions to push for shorter workdays and fair wages. Over time, unions grew to connect industry in both the U.S. and Canada, which is why you see so many international trade unions today. The origins of Labor Day in Canada and the U.S. really can be traced back to local demonstrations and celebrations held in the mid-1800s. 
According to legend, Peter Maguire stood before the New York Central Labor Union in 1882 to suggest the idea of setting aside one day a year to honor labor. Maguire believed that Labor Day should be celebrated by a street parade, which would publicly show the strength and esprit de corps of the trade and labor organizations. Maguire was a young and well-respected union leader, and it's possible the inspiration for these celebrations actually came from a huge labor celebration that was held in Toronto on July 22nd, 1882. On September 5th of that year, Maguire organized a similar parade in New York City. That's also where Labor Day gets its origins as the first Monday in September. Maguire would go on to found the United Brotherhood of Carpenters, which would become the largest trade union of the time. And later, he would join his friend Samuel Gompers to found the American Federation of Labor. Now, recently, evidence has been uncovered to reveal that perhaps there was another figure of the time who might have actually been the man behind Labor Day. His name was Matthew Maguire, and in the 1870s, he was leading several strikes, most of which were intended to force the plight of manufacturing workers and their long hours into the public consciousness. By 1882, Maguire had become the secretary and a leading figure in the Central Labor Union of New York. There's even an opinion piece from the Morning Call from around that time, which refers to Matthew Maguire as the undisputed author of Labor Day as a holiday. So why has Matthew Maguire been overlooked as the father of Labor Day? Well, it's believed that Maguire held some political beliefs that were considered fairly radical for the day. And for Samuel Gompers and his Federation of American Labor, they allegedly did not want Labor Day to be associated with those radical politics of Matthew Maguire. So in an 1897 interview, Gompers' close friend, Peter J. Maguire, was assigned the credit for the origination of Labor Day. All that is to say that over time, a series of celebrations and demonstrations held throughout Canada and the United States grew to become a standard holiday. And in 1889, the Royal Commission on the Relations of Labor and Capital in Canada recommended recognition of an official Labor Day by the federal government. In March and April 1894, unions lobbied Parliament to recognize Labor Day as a public holiday. Legislation was introduced in May by Prime Minister John Sparrow David Thompson and received royal assent in July 1894. There are a lot of traditions that go along with Labor Day. You might have heard of not wearing white after Labor Day. Explanations for this tradition kind of vary. The most common is that white is a summer color and Labor Day unofficially marks the end of summer. The rule may have been intended as a status symbol for new members of the upper and middle classes in the late 19th and early 20th century. One Labor Day tradition in Atlantic Canada is the Wharf Rat Rally in Digby, Nova Scotia. Meanwhile, the rest of Canada is probably watching the Labor Day Classic, a Canadian Football League event. There's also an annual Labor Day parade in Grand Falls, Windsor, Newfoundland. The centennial anniversary in 2020 was replaced with an online ceremony due to COVID-19, of course. In Ontario, Labor Day is a public holiday where workers can take the day off work or receive public holiday pay. It's really just a long weekend to spend however you want, whether with friends or family or celebrating the political origins of the day itself. Now, to talk a little bit more about the enduring legacy of Labor Day, I brought on someone that frequent listeners of the podcast will know well. Daryl Bedford is the former president of OPSU 110, now a steward for that same union. 
He joins us to talk more about the history of Labor Day and what it means that it's still recognized today. Uh, Daryl Bedford, welcome back to the Interrobang podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, joining me back on the show. Um, I want to talk about Labor Day. We're going to talk about Labor Day, but one of the things that um, we've kind of been discovering as we've been going through the history of this topic is that unions and labor unions have played a role in a lot of the way that we think about work and the holidays and the days off that we know today so commonly. So I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more to just like how much of how we think about work today comes from efforts made by unions. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it was unions that first proposed an eight-hour workday, eight hours to rest or sleep, and eight hours to do other things. And, and you know, in those eight hours, that's where you have time with your family and have time to to you know, volunteer and work in your community, right? So unions have very much shaped how we approach work, but also how we approach life outside of work. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the things I was talking about too, was like Labor Day now, however connected you are personally to its origins, we all know it and think of it as a day to just do what we want to do. And that that's probably what uh, the originators always wanted, right? Absolutely. And we think about how far we've come. We've come from a time where it was illegal uh, for unions to exist, or a time where uh, maybe the union was legal, but activities, participating in those activities, organizing workers, was illegal to now in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada, there's a freedom of association. Uh, we now have the right to form a union, but even if you're not in the union, all of the gains that have been made, uh, the Canadian Union of Postal Workers achieved maternity leave, and that was the basis for everything that followed in Canada. So we can certainly celebrate a lot on Labor Day. There's much to celebrate about the achievement of unions, but not just unionized workers, but how all workers have benefited from those efforts. Absolutely. And speaking of, you know, all workers, the, the idea of like an International Workers Day, a May Day, Labor Day, whatever it is, these concepts spread all over the world throughout the 19th century. What do you think was so attractive about this idea then? And what's remained so attractive about it today? Well, there is, there's some interesting similarities between then and now. Then you had oligarchs, you had people who were hoarding wealth. It feels like we have that again today. Uh, then you had the start of the Industrial Re Revolution. Today, we're still in the uh, Information Technology Revolution. And these are things that have all changed the nature of work. And what's happened is that workers have responded um, in order to protect workers' rights. And, you know, we found that unions are, are always going to be necessary because 
employers and employees don't share the same interests. <laughs> they sometimes do, but but the employer is worried about money. The employer is worried about efficiency. Uh, workers are worried about their family, their their well being, uh, their health and safety. So there is always going to be for workers' rights and and balancing that against uh, economic concerns. I think there are a lot of holidays out there that have their roots in labor unions. International Women's Day is one that always comes to mind for me. I think over time, some of them lose that connection, whether it's just through like oversaturation or changing social attitudes, but it's kind of hard to separate Labor Day from labor, right? Um, and yet even in our kind of work-obsessed culture, we've never stopped seeing the importance of a day like Labor Day. So why do you think that is? I think it's because of the situation we're in, right? As I was saying, that that there will always be a need to um, protect the rights of workers. And, and people can immediately think of some things that unions have achieved or that workers have achieved and how those things are at risk. So although there are lots of things to celebrate on Labor Day, we also know that the gig economy puts a lot of these things at risk. We know that, that right-wing governments uh, have been attacking workers' rights. I mean, we're in a situation today, consider where we are, where, we are emerging from a global pandemic where healthcare workers, public service workers have been hailed as heroes, yet their compensation in Ontario, their increase has been limited to 1%. So on the one hand, they're being called heroes. On the other hand, they feel like they've, they've, they've uh, been uh, pushed down by this legislation. So we, we know how fragile workers' rights and protecting. We know how fragile this could be because we've seen governments just casually override the rights of workers. So although there is much to celebrate, there's also a lot more to fight for. Yeah, I'm kind of just, this is just coming to me right now, but you mentioned the pandemic. And I think the other thing that it exposed about work was sort of the, the work from home conversation and what another huge divide between, you know, employer interests versus employee interests, right? That I, I felt like there was almost a universal acceptance of working from home and a hope that it would continue. And as soon as the opportunity came to bring workers back, that was the first thing employers did. Yes, it's certainly uh, been an issue and it certainly um, shows uh, how adaptable employees can be, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it also shows the need for um, protections around the right to disconnect. Mm -hmm. the, 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 you know, that, uh, uh, you know, what is the work wage bargain? And all of those questions have been opened up. I mean, the, 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 trendy term right now is quiet quitting, but yeah. really we need to talk about quiet firing, 
<laughs> and, and or you know, on uh, for those of us involved in the union movement, I mean, quiet quitting is really just working to the contract or working to rule. This is not yeah. a new thing. Yeah. And and of course, working from home, um, it helped some workers because they were able to to um, achieve a better work life balance. But other workers found that. It, that it hurt the work-life balance. So this is the challenge that we have in the modern age, is how can we as workers achieve that work-life balance? How can we um, go about our jobs, but also um, be healthy physically, mentally, and be able to care for our families? Right. And you mentioned returning to the workplace, in Ontario, we're returning to the workplace in a time where people don't have sick days. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be the danger. And this is this may be one of the, the the trickiest parts of emerging from this pandemic is when we have so many people who cannot take time off when they're sick and will end up going into work sick, whether it's with COVID or with something else because they can't risk losing that pay. They're, they're one paycheck away from complete disaster. And, and so the things that we fought for in the past, sick days, uh, having um, uh, benefits, these are all things that are going to help us recover. And they're things that are absolutely needed. Here in London, we, we remember the Tolpaddle Martyrs. And the, the Tolpaddle Martyrs were, were um, charged and convicted for swearing an illegal oath. And, and this came about as their activities to organize workers. And they were sentenced to, to um, uh, they were sentenced uh, to, to uh, what we would now call Australia. Um, and um, eventually they were pardoned and they were able to return to England in 1837. But afterwards, some of them uh, emigrated to Canada and um, um, you, you can find their graves here. Uh, um, here. And, um, you know, I, I had mentioned, right, there was a time where unions were illegal or the activities that unions would engage in were illegal. So we've made a huge journey from that period of time to where we are today. And so I think it's very important on, on a day like Labor Day to remember everyone who, who um, fought for workers' rights and paid the price, whether it was prison, or whether it was death on 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 picket lines. I mean, we we forget about instances in our own history um, where where the military had been called out to to break up a strike, and and so we we have really seen how how uh, 
workers had to fight for these things and, and paid, in some cases, paid the ultimate price. And we've still got a way to go, as you mentioned. But in the meantime, how do you spend your Labor Days? <laughs> well, I'm going to be at the picnic uh, held by the London and District Labor Council. So uh, for the last two years, they haven't been able to it due to the pandemic. But it's back in person again. It's going to be at Springbank Park, Site F, uh, here in London. And uh, there will be free food. And uh, it will be that time to, to celebrate. I'm sure people will also talk about all the work that needs to be done uh, and the fight that we are in to protect workers' rights, uh, the right to, to unionize, the right to negotiate, and the their working conditions, but it is going to be very much a time to celebrate. We, Many of us, we haven't seen each other in person. The community, uh, you know, uh, will be, we will be gathering and, and it's going to be so great to be there uh, out at uh, Springbank Park and to be able to celebrate uh, Labor Day and to celebrate workers. So it promises to be a great day. Uh, that's how I spend my Labor Day every year is at that picnic. And it's great to be able to hold it again. Awesome. Really getting back to the origins of, of Labor Day, those demonstrations and the parades that I think uh, some of these originators that I'm reading about really envisioned. And, and there will be parades on, on Labor Day. And uh, even here in London, you'll see flags and banners out at the park. And... Uh, you know, it is uh, certainly all across the country. You you will see parades much like there were uh, in in a century beforehand. That that uh, we very much do need to keep the focus on workers' rights, and uh, because only there do do we protect the well-being of of people, but. Um, the well-being of our communities and, and how our communities function, as you said, is so tied to so many other things um, that, you know, when workers are able to meaningfully participate in the workplace, in their community, in the political arena, we have a chance to make a difference as, as citizens. So, Yes, there'll be a lot going on on Labor Day. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all the social media posts from all the parades and everything that happened coast to coast. And I'm, I'll be really happy to see some people uh, here in London at the park. Awesome. Certainly a day to celebrate, a day to reflect. And hopefully this episode and this conversation will give our listeners even more to think about. So, Daryl, thank you so much for joining me and sharing all your insights. I always appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interrobang podcast. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to pick up the latest issue of Interrobang on newsstands at Fanshawe College right now. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For the Interrobang, I'm Hannah Theodore. The Interrobang podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply.